It says, Welcome to Kate's Commentary on Gospel Topics. Um, this is my sole opinion on the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and it's not sponsored by the Church. And today, we'll be reading 1 Nephi chapter 2. And the person I have today, if you want to introduce yourself. Hey, my name's Tommy, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here. So like last time, we'll be, I read the chapter heading, and then I'll just read the chapter, and then we'll talk about it. Okay, First Nephi chapter 2. Lehi takes his family into the wilderness by the Red Sea. They leave their property. Lehi offers a sacrifice to the Lord and teaches his sons to keep the commandments. Laman and Lemuel murmur against their father. Nephi is obedient and prays in faith. The Lord speaks to him, and he is chosen to rule over his brethren. For behold, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto my father, yea, even in a dream, and said unto him, Bless art thou, Lehi, because of the things which thou hast done, and because thou hast been faithful, and declared unto this people the things which I commanded thee. Behold, they seek to take away thy life, and it came to pass that the Lord commanded my father, even in a dream, that he should take his family and depart into the wilderness. And it came to pass that he was obedient unto the word of the Lord, wherefore he did as the Lord commanded him. And it came to pass that he departed into the wilderness, and he left his house and the land of his inheritance, and his gold, and his silver, and his precious things, and took nothing with him save it, for his family and provisions and tents, and departed into the wilderness. And he came down by the borders near the shore of the Red Sea, and he traveled in the wilderness in the borders which are near the Red Sea. And he did travel in the wilderness with his family, which consisted of my mother, Sariah, and my elder brothers, who were Laman, Lemuel, and Sam. And it came to pass that when he had traveled three days in the wilderness, he pitched his tent in a valley by the side of a river of water. And it came to pass that he built an altar of stones and made an offering unto the Lord and gave thanks unto the Lord our God. And it came to pass that he called the name of the river Laman and emptied into the Red Sea. The valley was in the borders near the mouth thereof. And when my father saw that the waters of the river emptied into the fountain of the Red Sea, he spake unto Laman, saying, O oh, that thou mightest be like unto this river, continually running into the fountain of all righteousness. And he also spake unto Lemuel, O oh, that thou mightest be like unto this valley, firm and steadfast and immovable in keeping the commandments of the Lord. Now this he spake because of the stiff neckness of Laman and Lemuel, for behold, they did murmur in many things against their father, because he was a visionary man. And he led them out of the land of Jerusalem to leave the land of their inheritance and their gold and their silver and their precious things to perish in the wilderness. And this they said he had done because of the foolish imaginations of his heart. And thus Laman and Lemuel, being the eldest, did murmur against their father, and they did murmur because they knew not the dealings of that God who had created them. Neither did they believe that Jerusalem, that great city, could be destroyed according to the words of the prophets. And they were like unto the Jews who were at Jerusalem, who sought to take away the life of my father. And it came to pass that my father did speak unto them in the valley of Lemuel, 
with power, being filled with the Spirit, until their frames did shake before him. And he did confound them that they durst not utter against him, wherefore they did as he commanded them. And my father dwelt in a tent. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, being exceedingly young, nevertheless being large in stature, and also having great desires to know the mysteries of God. Wherefore I did cry unto the Lord, and behold, he did visit me, and did soften my heart that I did believe all the words which had been spoken by my father. Wherefore I did not rebel against him, and like unto my brothers, and I spake unto Sam, making known unto him the things which the Lord had manifested unto me by his Holy Spirit. And it came to pass that he believed in my words, but behold, Laman and Lemuel would not hearken unto my words. And being grieved because of the hardness of their hearts, I cried unto the Lord for them. And it came to pass that the Lord spake unto me, saying, Bless art thou and Nephi because of thy faith, for thou hast sought me diligently with loneliness of heart. And inasmuch as you shall keep my commandments, ye shall prosper and shall be led to a land of promise, yea, even a land which I have prepared for you, yea, a land which is choice above all other lands. And inasmuch as thy brethren shall rebel against thee, they shall be cut off from the presence of the Lord. And inasmuch as thou shalt keep my commandments, thou shalt be made a ruler and a teacher over thy brethren. For behold, in that day that they shall rebel against me, I will curse them even with a sore curse, and they shall have no power over thy seed, except they shall rebel against me also. And if it so be that they rebel against me, they shall be a scourge unto thy seed to stir them up in the ways of remembrance. So before we go scripture by scripture, was there any scriptures that stood up to you, Tommy? Oh, there, uh, there's definitely a couple of them. Uh, pretty much every time on my mission, whenever we'd share this with someone, I feel like someone would always draw attention to verse 15, where it says, And my father dwelt in a tent. They'd always ask about that for some reason, which, uh, so I always think about that, like, um, yeah, just, <laughs> why, like, that's its own separate verse, why it's, uh, uh, if there's any significance with that, or if it is just setting the setting, so to say. <laughs> um, and I mean, I've had some discussions where we talk about like, oh, you know, it's showing their humble circumstances they're in or, or whatever. Or maybe it's just saying they look, they're in a tent. <laughs> but either way, uh, that's just one I think about every time I read this chapter. <laughs> Just because yeah. people always bring that up. Yeah, that verse has also intrigued me because if you think about it, there's other scriptures that are really short. Like John fourteen fifteen says, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's pretty short. And then there's another place where Jesus Christ says, remember Lot's wife. You can learn a lot from this scripture and probably that scripture too because like you said to me, on that scripture, my father dwelt in a tent. It shows he was, he had a lot and a lot of, not fame, a lot of money when he was in Jerusalem from serving the Lord. And then he just left it all behind, willing to sacrifice everything. So verse 1. Yeah. Um...
Well, again, thoughts I had on that one. Just that, uh, well, he's been told to, to leave Jerusalem. <laughs> the, um, well, if, if we're talking as far as that era in, like, biblical, you know, parallels, that's, uh, that's around the time with the prophet Jeremiah, right? Um, yeah, I always get some of those J names mixed up. But Jeremiah, and the fact that, like, he is being, like, his life is under threat, Lehi's, is very, like, it makes a lot of sense, based on everything that's happening with Jeremiah right around this time. Uh, Jeremiah, he's, like, regularly having people try and kill him. There's times where, uh, if I remember right, he has to pretend to be crazy once. It's something with him, like, spitting on his beard or something. Just so that they think he's, uh, crazy and will just let him go. And then he, you know, of course keeps prophesying and whatever. You can relate it to, like, how they were wanting to take away his life. Like, when they wanted the, the <clears throat> Pharisees and you know, all the Pharisees and all the other people wanted to take away the life of Jesus Christ at the same time for teaching gospel truth. Because later on, it talks about how the truth shall set you free. If you're not willing to set, learn the truth, you're just going to harden your heart from it and stuff. Because I've thought about that. What is truth? <laughs> is, yeah. It's like having faith in Jesus Christ is, to me, it's like in a way it's not really truth. The truth is like um, that he suffered for all of us. He died on the cross for us. Like the gospel of Jesus Christ is the truth. Like the faith, repentance, baptism, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost and all that stuff. Yeah. Verse 2. Um, I think I like that one because he commanded him in a dream, not just like that's a prompting of the spirit, but he saw it in a dream, not like sometimes when you're out on a mission, you get a prompting just to go to a certain house or say something. It's a lot different on how he received it than we do. So like the spirit talks to everyone differently. Oh yeah, and that actually, you know, it's like seven verses away in this, but uh, his sons call him a visionary man later on in this chapter. And I remember, I like would think about that a lot. Like, in this case, they use visionary man almost like they're insulting him. Uh, and then later on, in uh, a couple chapters later, Lehi calls himself a visionary man. And he essentially says something to the effect of like, and if I didn't get visions, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have gone out here like this. I wouldn't have followed the command of the Lord. And so, kind of bringing it back to this verse that we are on, that he was commanded in a dream. That's just sort of that's just sort of the person Lehi was. He was one who, like subtle promptings and whatever, weren't always things that he would easily follow. But if he got a dream or a vision or whatever. Oh boy, he was, uh, he was going to listen. Um, and yeah. And then that continues on to verse 3. What he said is that he was obedient unto the word of the Lord. Wherefore he did as the Lord commanded him. <clears throat> Your thoughts on that one? Well, again, like, 
it uh, kind of thinking about that with him doing this because he had a dream about it. Think about like if that were to happen to you in modern times. If you had a dream that you needed to do something, and you probably remember it pretty clearly, but you wake up and I know myself, I would probably be like, well, <laughs> it was a dream and I was probably, my, my brain was probably just thinking about, you know, my scripture study or the previous day or something like that. So it actually, it takes a fair amount of faith to, uh, you know, trust that to be a vision for, from the Lord, to uh, be obedient to the Lord. It's uh, significant, especially in verse 4, we learn some of the things that they leave behind. <laughs> He took the things that he only needed. Yeah. They uh, left all their gold and silver, precious things, inheritance. Um, I listened to a podcast once talking about that. That, you know, we're never really given too much more on who Lehi's family was prior to leaving. Just that, based on that, they were rich. Um, you know, they were wealthy in that era... The only way you can really be that wealthy would be uh, if you were either um, like a, a wealthy merchant or, um, you know, certain positions of political power, uh, an advisor to a, a king or whatever. Um, with that said, I would take it that he was probably, yeah, something like a merchant and whatever. He had a good life, probably a respected man in their community, so... Not only was he leaving behind gold and whatever, he was leaving behind, like, very solid futures for his sons. Like, futures where, oh, they could have, they could have been rich, they could have made it. But, uh, yeah, he left it all behind just to, to follow the command of the Lord. I think continuing in verse... Not really... Uh, verse 5? Yeah, verse 5. Honestly, that's just kind of a verse talking about where they're going. <laughs> uh, it establishes who's with them and that they're going near the Red Sea. But, uh... It can be an indication of, like, he said he was going with him and stuff. Like, how they kept the re their records back then. Because... We can't, obviously, later on it says we have only got like one of the 100th of the records of the people in the Book of Mormon and stuff, so we don't have that. Oh yeah, they definitely much. were, definitely were keeping more than just this, and uh, uh, interesting things with that, um, some of the, like, extended writings of, like, Joseph Smith, some of the, you know, stuff that would be in the Joseph Smith Papers Project, there's just, you know, vague references to some other stuff that Lehi did. Um, there's references to them building a temple in the wilderness and whatever, uh, you know, stuff that would have probably been in uh, the book of Lehi and, like, other abridged records that we don't have. <sighs> cool stuff. Verse 6. Um, so I don't get much, but I do have this. It does say in this... Book of Mormon made easier thing in the part it says a, the phrase a river of water in verse 6 above 
says, is another internal evidence that the Book of Mormon account is a translation of an ancient record which originates in the area of the Holy Land. said, in that country there are many rivers which are usually dry riverbeds and are commonly called waters. Here Nephi indicates that the river actually has water flowing in it at the time they can't buy it. So like... Oh yeah, no, it's like, that's very much like a Jewish thing to say like, you know, river of water rather than just saying river, <laughs> uh, or saying uh, dry riverbed. <laughs> so, it makes sense, yeah. And in continuing in verse 7, it shows that he was building an altar. Like Today we have the higher law. Back then, they had the law of Moses, and it showed that they were still... They were still performing still... sacrifices. They still needed to... Uh, you know, have altars when they were going to do um, uh, religious rites and whatever. And that's what he was doing, you know. I, I think it's interesting that this is, as far as we know, the first time they've stopped since leaving Jerusalem. And he immediately makes something so, uh, so he, he immediately makes an altar so he can give praises to God and to give thanks to um, uh, thanks to God for everything he's done. Um, it kind of, again, it shows great faith to, to do so. In verse 8, and it came to pass that he called the name of the river Laman. It's like, continuing on in this other book, it says, it says this was quite an honor given to Laman. He was naming it after his one of his own sons and stuff. Oh yeah, it's a actually a very Jewish thing where they would name landmarks and cities and whatever after people. Um, you see that a lot later on in the Book of Mormon, especially uh, all of the cities pretty much are named after uh, some individual we see or some individual we just hear a little bit about. So you know that's consistent with this too. Because in the next verse, it, the one thing that stood out to me is like, Oh, that thou mightest be like unto this river, continually running into the, into the fountain of all righteousness. We could say the fountain of all righteousness is Jesus Christ. He did the most righteous thing for all of us. Like, like without him, we wouldn't be able, in a way, we wouldn't be able to make righteous choices without his sacrifice. Yeah. Indeed. Um, with the next one, he compares, Le he wishes that Lemuel would be like a valley, firm and stead steadfast and immovable in keeping the commandments of the Lord. And, again, it's kind of one where, um, like you say, that's kind of an example where that's Jesus Christ. He's firm and immovable. He followed his father's will perfectly. And uh, so in a way, you could say both of those verses as he's saying, be like Jesus. Um, yeah. And in verse 11, yeah, it talks about how stiff-necked Laman and Lemuel were. Because I'm guessing they loved living in the city because they had a, to them, they had a happy life with all the the money, the wealth that they had. 
And then they left, and it's probably when he's... Not even then. I feel like even before then, he, they still murmured on the stuff that his father taught when he was in Jerusalem and stuff. Oh, yeah. Very much so. And like I said before, they're definitely leaving behind some pretty nice inheritance. You know, they, they were going to be... They had it made for life, and now, you know, they in their view, that's all being stolen away, and they just can't understand why, just because uh, they're unfaithful. Uh, also tying in, I mentioned before, this is where they call Lehi a visionary man. Um, which again, like, it's... <gasps> later on, Lehi calls himself that and uses it as a way of saying, you know, if I did not receive visions, I would not have followed the Lord. Um, which is kind of... So, like, it feels kind of like, though they're using a similar terminology between when Lehi calls himself and when they say it here. Um, I think when Lehi's saying it himself, he's saying, like, I'm a man who will really only believe visions, otherwise I'm just really bad at following the command of the Lord. Well, here, they're saying, oh, you're a... Like, you're just a stupid old man who believes your dreams or believes your imagination. And so it kind of kind of contrasts with the meaning of that, uh, that phrase here versus, you know, in later chapters when they use it. And in the next verse, I feel like the main reason of why they're murmuring is says right at the end. Because they knew not the dealings of that God who had created them. I feel like that's maybe one of the... We don't know one of the big reasons why they were always murmuring because they didn't believe in the things that his father said, even probably what his mother said, and what Nephi and Sam said. Yeah. Um, that also, of course, ties into the next one. They didn't believe any of the prophecies about, about Jerusalem being destroyed. Um, and it... You know, it says they they are just like the Jews who wanted to kill uh, Lehi, um, just sort of like the you know the Jews who wanted to kill Jeremiah at that point. Um, they're kind of they'd fallen in with the crowd, the masses of people who didn't believe all these prophecies that a lot of prophets were giving at that time. So yeah, and then. Can in verse 14, one thing that came to mind, it says, With power being filled with the Spirit until their frames did shake before him. So like in an instance, like sometimes, um, later in the Book of Mormon, some people, some angels come down and visit people, and it, whenever they spoke, it said like it shook the earth and stuff. So it was like, they had that same, he had that same power at that time when he was speaking with his, with his sons. And you gotta think about that. You don't shake from someone's command unless they're really talking with some power. Like, real, you know, power of God type stuff. And so, just thinking about it, like, they, pro they probably see Lehi, like, lecturing them. And they can feel the power of God coming off of him. And then they still murmur and whatever afterwards. You know, like, not right then, but ultimately... <laughs> And that's just such a running theme with the two of them, you know, time and again. They, uh, um, something, uh, some miracle will appear before them. 
so, uh, increasingly bigger ones each time, it seems like. And they still sort of forget. Um, they still sort of return to their wicked ways again and again. It's like the more you can get into the light, the more you can go into the darkness too. Kind of sense those, like you said. I feel like every time that they murmured or didn't do anything, there was a bigger convincing thing that they needed to do to make them believe. We talked about 15 and then in 16. I liked the part out on my mission when I was reading the scripture once. It said, nevertheless, being large in stature. It's like I said to my mission president, is like, we ourselves, like, even though I think Nephi was pretty strong back at that time, we also have to be large in stature when it comes to the spirit. Doesn't mean we have to be, like, strong, like, people today. And this is a verse. I love sharing this one with people on my mission as well. Um, just because a lot of what Nephi is asking is to understand the mysteries of God. And he's just asking for understanding. And it, it of course, it says that his heart was softened so he could believe everything. Believe all the words. And that's something, you know, we'd often invite our uh, investigators to, to do. Is to pray on it. And just ask that they can understand. Uh, ask that they can understand and ask if they can believe if it's true. Um, like The Lord did soften his heart, but we ourselves can do that too. Because softening our own hearts is like being humble. Like in Alma 32, it talked about humble is the first thing you have to do before you can plant that seed. And then grow it. And stuff. So it's like... The Lord does, he does as much as he can to help us, but we have to do our part too. In this life, like you said, in that John fourteen fifteen, he said, if you love me, then we should be willing to keep all the commandments he has given to us. Number 17. It shows that he just believed in his words. No. Um, Sam believed in Nephi's words when he said it to him. Yeah, and that's another one. It kind of makes me think of, like, gifts of the Spirit type thing. One of the ones it says is, like, uh, one of the gifts is being able to believe other people's testimonies, basically. And that's one. You know, I kind of feel like that's what Sam ha is, uh, has there. That he, uh, well, you know, Laman and Lemuel, uh, later, he, he tells them these things, and they're just like, Oh, wow, you're just as stupid as Dad. Well, Sam is just, you know, he, he believes his younger brother. And it's just, it's cool. And in verse 18, like, Laman and Lemo didn't all believe in the words of what Nephi said, but even then after that, um, Nephi still prayed for them. Even though later on he saw in the vision that Laman and Lemuel weren't going to follow him, he still prayed for them. Like out on my mission, we still prayed for the people that didn't always listen to us. And in verse 19. Um, again, it's him, uh, Nephi, hearing the voice of the Lord again, being told that 
you know, the reason he got his answers is because he was diligent, he was faithful, and he was willing to, you know, pray in humbleness. While uh, Laman and Lemuel, it does, I don't imagine that they did that too much themselves. <laughs> and uh, it makes me think, you know, maybe if they would have, if they would have uh, come before the Lord in faith, um, well, uh, they could have uh, overcome their their wicked natures. But, uh, of course, they did not. <laughs> So what do you think it means by the lowliness of heart? Uh, humility. Humility, yeah. Meekness. That's a great thing. Yeah, meekness. This is like, and then, yes, that really stood out to me because it could tie into, there's so many times that it talks about having, like, exercising our faith and using our own heart to do stuff because later it does say coming to him with a broken heart and contrite spirit and stuff it could it could be the same thing saying loneliness of heart is the same thing as coming with a broken heart in verse 20 um this actually it establishes a pretty recurrent uh, promise made by the Lord, uh, especially throughout First and Second Nephi, but they reference it a pretty large amount just throughout the Book of Mormon as a whole. Just that, you know, as long as you keep the commandments, you'll prosper in the land. It'll be a great land of promise, um, and it's one that, you know, the Lord has prepared for them. Um, Likewise, the following verse references that rebelling against, you know, the opposite will happen. You'll be cut off from the presence of the Lord, and it will no longer be a prosperous land of promise. It'll, um, in fact, be uh, cursed unto them. Now, going back to verse yeah, 19, I found a, a quote at no, a thing that was by someone named Michael T. Ringwood. He gave a talk back in 2000 and 2009, he said in it, is like the Lord spoke directly to Nephi, saying, Bless art thou, Nephi, because of thy faith, for thou hast sought me diligently with loneliness of heart. And he later says, Nephi teaches the importance of desire and diligence in keeping commandments and calling upon God in order to have the ability to say, With these I will go and do. to go along with that scripture. And then verse 21. It goes back 20 and 21 are very tied in together because it says if you should, if you keep my commandments you should prosper in the land but the same thing there's always a warning to a lot of the blessings and the commandments and stuff in this day. It's like if you don't keep my commandments you shall be cut off from the presence of the Lord. And in verse 22. Yeah. Um, again, that one just uh, references, reiterates that promise made in 20. If you keep the commandments, 
he'll be blessed. Um, to Nephi specifically, he'll be made a ruler and a teacher over his brethren. Um, which, of course, pairs into 23, that, you know, while Nephi will receive this specific blessing of being a ruler and a teacher, if he keeps on, on the path of righteousness, Laman and Lemuel will in turn uh, face a curse um, uh, for their, their wickedness, for their rebellion. The, um, they shall have no power over Nephi's seed unless Nephi's seed is also uh, wicked, which <laughs> is like prophetic foreshadowing essentially over like so much of the rest of the Book of Mormon. So much of it is, um, you know, Laman and Lemuel's descendants are wicked and um, try and kill Nephi's descendants. And they'll often almost succeed until Nephi's descendants finally start obeying the commandments again. Uh, repent and, you know, turn back towards the Lord. So it's kind of, you know, it's establishing that's... Uh, that's something that's going to be happening. <laughs> I think talking about that, I think it's known as the pride cycle kind of thing. Yes. Where they follow Jesus Christ, and eventually once they follow and they prosper, they get so much money that they start not following Jesus Christ, and then something happens and they come back up again, and it's just one big loop and stuff as they read it. Because it showed up until the end of the Book of Mormon, the, the Lamanites always came in and attacked people, and that's when they started to remember the things that were taught by their their ancestors and stuff. So, was there any other verses that you wanted to talk about again? Uh, that about covers it. Um, I've said my piece. <laughs> Like one thing I can say is like from reading this chapter, there's a lot of, towards the end, there's a lot of promised blessings showing that if we do prosper, if we do keep his commandments, you shall prosper in the land. It's like that still applies to us today. Your own land could be at home or even at work and stuff. And if we do keep those, he's always promised that we have, a, to me, like a great time in this life. So that's one, one question that you want the viewers to think about. Oh. I guess just consider to yourself if you were to um, if you were to receive command from the Lord right now or you know you go to sleep tonight you have a dream that tells you uh, you need to get out of Dodge uh, go out into the wilderness, and uh, God's going to lead you somewhere specific, but you don't really know where, aside from that, it's supposed to be a good place. If, you know, you receive that command in a dream, would you follow it? Um, just because, like I say, it's a, it sounds kind of simple on paper, but I personally think it would be really hard. <laughs> and so yeah just like you to consider that for yourself thing I want 
everyone else to think about too is how in verse like 9 and 10, how these two things relate each other. It talked about how the fountain of all righteousness and being firm and steadfast and immovable and keeping the commandments of the Lord. How do they, how do those two things relate to each other? And how can I better be, do those things in my life and keeping the commandments of the Lord? I also want to invite you to follow me on my Instagram account, which is at Cade, K-A-D-E, com, C-O-M-M, Gospel Topics. Feel free to share your comments on this post or on this podcast, and I hope you really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. And anything else you want to say? Like, comment, and subscribe. And, uh... Have a blessed day. And you have a blessed day too. We say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.